All right, welcome to episode 34 of the Bobbycast with songwriter, artist, uh, friend of a lot of friends who've been on this show already. Like, like <laughs> we have an odd circle that we've never actually met before. I, I feel like I know you because I'm such a huge fan. Same here. Uh, Natalie Hemby's here, but um, yeah, most of the most of our friends have, have been in that chair, so it's nice to finally have you here. I know. I feel like it's all warmed up for me, so which is good. I should just get this out of the way. I've seen you out before, but been a little intimidated to come up and say hello. Oh my goodness! Because you have one of those presences about you. Do I really? You do. Well, it's just if you. I'm sure people would say the same about you, though. Like, you well, know I don't I, go out. <laughs> so no, I don't I mean, either. This was an anomaly. If you saw me out, <laughs> it was like a, you know a songwriter or, or you know one of the industry events, and I was like, yes. oh, I don't want to go. Bo- I just feel like I bother people. So I'm a big fan. Like, no, it, dude, I'm a big fan of yours. You come bother me anytime. I, I will bother you after this <laughs> a lot. So uh, Natalie's here. We have a lot to talk about because when we lined up and started doing these um, 34 episodes ago, we picked like 10 people that we wanted to talk to, and it was. You were on the list, and I was like Caitlin Smith and yes. Marin, and you have people that I'm close to that I know have really great stories. And oh yeah! Throughout all of this, you can see all of those, but it's an odd time because since then you also have a record out too. So we have so much to talk about. Oh, we have so much to talk about. So um, yes, I have some great stories too. So let's start from the very beginning. <laughs> yes. Let's start from. I want to run through just just so everybody gets hooked real quick. I want to play quickly. Uh, it's all six of your number ones in a very quick montage, and then I want to break down your whole life and make you cry. Okay, this good. That's what we do. It's like this an is, Oprah thing. I need this, really. <laughs> all right, Natalie Hemby's here. Uh, number ones include Miranda White Liar. Your finger still pops. You still like that one, huh? I love it. You still? I do. That's cool. Because some artists will be like, oh, I'm so tired of it. You know what? Yes. But I saw your finger pop immediately. That's so cool when someone still loves it after that long. Well, I haven't heard it in a while. I was like, that sounds pretty damn good. <laughs> How about this one? Downtown, Lady A. Also, Little Big Town, Pontoon. On the pontoon making waves and catching Tornado, Little Big Town. Yeah. Miranda Automatic. By the way, you won the ACM, nominated for CMA, and nominated for a Grammy for Song of the Year on this one, right? Is that right? Yes. Was all that right? Yes. Okay. Lots of facts. I'm trying to start. CMA, ACM, and then nominated for Grammy. It won for ACM. Yeah. And then Justin Moore, You Look Like I Need a Drink. You look like I need a drink right now. You look like you're going to drink. And that's just the surface. Just want everybody to know what kind of powerhouse. That's why I'm intimidated, quite frankly. Oh, my goodness. Not at all. Like, I feel like you, and I can be completely wrong on this, but because you know how you see people through your eyes. Like, I, right. I look at other people through my experiences and, and judge them based on that. Right. And since I am at times a very vulnerable creator, I look at someone like you and go, man, what, what's her – to do all of that and to see your catalog – like it's kind of crazy. You know what? I don't really know. I, um, you know what? I have been writing. I literally got my first publishing deal when I was 19. And um, I signed with Barbara Orbison, still working music group, which there's a funny story, story there. Literally, I thought for years that Roy Orbison was blind. And I was like. Because you know, he had the glasses? Yes. <laughs> so Barbara, I was like, 
Barbara, tell me what it was, you know, what's it like living with, with someone who's blind? Like, what kind of challenges did Roy have? And she was like, Natalie was not blind because <laughs> she's German or whatever. But I, you know, I've just been writing songs for so long. I never thought, honestly, I would be doing country music because, um, well, first of all, my whole family's in the music business. My dad is an amazing guitar player. And I'm not saying that because they're my family. Um, he's he's actually won a Grammy, and he's literally played on all these Christian records and also a lot of pop records back in the 90s when this was like the heyday for it. Like what pop records did your dad play on in the 90s? He played on uh, Brian McKnight's record. Wow. He's played on Michael McDonald. He just played on... Um, one uh, Leonard Cohen's last one, one record. One at a time. So Brian McKnight. What did he? Yes. So I don't know which record he oh, played. Sorry. I'm such a Brian McKnight. Well, fan. I am too, and I, I should know this, and I don't. But I, that's. But he was the, one of those musicians. He just played on just a ton of records, you know. And he also wrote songs um, for Amy Grant. Like Amy Grant is like our family. My mom's worked with her for over 30 years as her personal assistant, and my dad. Um, he wrote on. A few, he played on her records, and he but he wrote um, some songs on like Baby Baby, and um, your dad wrote yeah, a couple Baby of, Baby. No, he didn't write Baby on the record. Baby oh, okay. Baby, yeah. Actually, I think it's called Heart Emotion. <laughs> See, I'm getting all these wrong, but um, yeah, he was in the music business, and my uncle Ron, who is an amazing singer, he was in this band called the Buffalo Club, and they had like a top ten hit in country music in like '96. So, and, and you didn't think you, even though you were, you're from Nashville, yeah, which you, is odd. No, I know. Um, I wasn't born here, but I was raised here. My parents moved here when I was two. But um, no, I I wanted to do rock music. I wanted to do like Sheryl Crow, like kind of like Alanis Morissette. All that kind of stuff was on the radio. Little Fair was huge whenever I was trying to get a record deal. And I kind of wanted to, I loved the more roots rock, like Tom Petty kind of stuff. And I tried to get a record deal for years on that, but you know what? Radio changed so quickly in those years. It was like, it went from like, first of all, Melisma singing from like Mariah Carey to Whitney Houston to like, then it went to like Nirvana and all the grunge rock. And then it, it was the dawning of the Britney Spears era. And throughout all this whole process, I was just trying to find my own sound, my own way. And, um, I almost got a huge record deal with Columbia Records. I think it was like 1999, which I'm or a 98.99 somewhere around there. I'm pretty sure if I if I looked through this contract, I probably still would be signed there. I'm, they probably owned everything that I have, <laughs> literally. But, anyways, it what, didn't. What happened with that? Eleventh hour. No, we're not signing anyone. It just it didn't work out. And you know who was going to do my record? Jay Joyce. Really? And so that was you know Jay Joyce. Playing Wallflower. I mean, that Jay Joyce was doing a lot of. Oh, he did uh, Patty Griffin, Flaming Red, which I was a huge fan of, and he uh, Macy Gray's record, and Sh- I am Shelby Lenny had a song in there. And now he's here, and he's yeah. like the biggest producer in country. He totally is. It's it's which really is crazy. crazy. It is. And you talk about Cheryl Crow, one of my all time favorites. Like that Me Tuesday too. Night Music Club album changed my life. Me too. Me too. I w- I remember listening to it on Weston at Tower Records. And I think it was like 94, and I was like, holy shit, I love this. Sorry, can I no, cuss you on here? Okay. Absolutely. And um, I was like, I love this record. And the reason why was because I so related to her voice, because I have what I call party girl voice. <laughs> I'm always a little hoarse. And I just had a deeper, raspier voice. And um, 
I don't know. I just loved her singing, you know, and I loved the record and I was looking at who wrote the songs and who played on it. And Bill Bottrell was amazing. And all those guys were Dave Barrowald who played on it. But, um, so she was like, she was my, she's my favorite too. She's literally my, my idol. And, and I'm assuming you've got to know her. Yes. Is it? <laughs> and awesome. as much as I loved her music, like just as a person, right? She, just, more and I don't like to meet people that I really love because you can't you, you'll be let down. I'm the same way. Like, I, I don't want to meet my heroes. No, they say don't meet your heroes, but I'm telling you, I'm glad I met mine. I love her to pieces. And even on a personal level with her, with with Cheryl and and stuff that I haven't talked about on the air, but one of my best friends and someone on the show has been adopting, and Cheryl was huge, like instrumental off the air, no radio, anything has just been such a great. Like, she's so generous she, with her time with she calling is. other influential people. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, you know, it's funny because I'm like, I feel like she doesn't know she's Cheryl Crow, <laughs> which kind of makes me laugh. But I'm also I'm so glad I met her later on in life. You know, I think if I would have been young and I met her, I would have just been fangirling her. I still fan. I have a picture and- of us hugging, and it I keep it <laughs> hidden. But it's like the first time I got to hug Cheryl Crow. Oh right! Like I love Cheryl. I, anyway. I do too. Well, and if she texts me, I, I literally am sort of like hmm, <laughs> Cheryl's texting me right now. <laughs> That's funny. It's so cool. <laughs> so when you started and you were going to put out a record as you know. A, what twenty one nineteen? Yeah, how old you were with Columbia? I uh, was very, I was very attractive and very skinny, and I was absolutely gorgeous. And I was going to put out this amazing record. I'm just kidding. Sorry. As all nineteen to twenty right. three year olds. No, think. seriously. What did you think you sounded like then? Was it the jagged little pill, Alanis? Was yes, it? it was probably actually it was a cross between Alanis and Cheryl. I would think it was very, um, I, you know, I pardon the term, but it was very balls to the walls, like. I loved that kind of music, just rock music, you know, where it's like kind of Rolling Stones, you know, that sort of thing. Um, it was interesting. I, and I wrote actually with Tommy Lee James on a lot of these songs, which here's a roundabout circle. Then I, I got a roommate. Her name was Cindy Thompson. And I introduced her to her and Tommy. And, and they basically, they made this record together. They won all these awards. Um, and Cindy was a great country music artist. But I wanted to do rock. Like full on, and I loved bands like Semisonic. Um, all all those. And for those that don't know Semisonic, for example, Closing Time. Exactly. The song that's played at the bar every night every when it, whenever night. it's time to go. And then now Dan Wilson is Mr. Songwriter Extraordinaire. Wrote um, Someone Like You by Adele. You know, <laughs> so that's been pretty full circle as well. But it's crazy. It's crazy, and it's crazy it how much that sound now is this sound now. Oh, that I sound know. then is this sound now. Yeah, it is. Like, if you took Tuesday Night Music Club and you just took it and said, hey, here's this new record. Yes. Check no, it out. Totally. I would be like, okay, I got to play all this on the air today and it sounds fresh and new. On, yes. on, on the country, on country radio. Well, and you know who else I loved back then was Beck. I still love Beck. I think he makes amazing and records. And he changes. Yeah, he does. Constantly. Constantly. Like, every time Beck, because I'm a huge Beck fan too, every time Beck changes, and again, I wasn't alive when Bob Dylan went electric. No, right? I wasn't either. But, but I always think when he went from Beck to Beck to Beck, there's like every time it's like that Bob Dylan thing where it's fans it are like, is. what the F is happening? Like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. And it might take you a year to, to, to catch on to what he was doing, but he's, he's brilliant. And I always loved his uh, writing styles too. Just like the quirky, uh, one of my favorite is, uh, oh, 
Been some good old boy on Odelay. Oh, what's that? I play that Odelay album backward and forward from like you know two turntables and a microphone. Like right. I mean, I mean it's classic. It's cl- yeah, Beck's awesome. You know, Devil's Haircut, all that good stuff. I got a Devil's Haircut. I used to play that on, car- on alternative radio. <laughs> I would play that song all the time. <laughs> I haven't thought about that song in forever. Wow. So that was you then. Yes. Yeah, it was. We were basically the same person then too. I think. I think we were. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. We might be cousins or something. And we're both know. from the south, so we very well could be. We Where could are you be. from? I'm from Arkansas. Okay. So we could have well, lots have of relatives. Fam- we do probably. I have family in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas. So. And when you're in Arkansas, you know every town in Arkansas because. Because it's Arkansas. It's just Arkansas. <laughs> so you try and you you don't sign, and so you start writing songs. Did you, did you just want to be a writer then, or was it like, okay, that didn't work? I'm well, not going to pursue the artist part of it. You know what? I was I was devastated. I was very disappointed, and um, you know, I didn't know what. I, but I, for some reason, I, I'm like a Timex. I take a licking and keep on ticking, but. Um, I got knocked down from it, but I, I basically, I had a publishing deal and then I met my husband and we became really good friends and then literally got engaged and we got married and we were like, let's move out to LA because I grew up here in Nashville and I loved Nashville, but I also hated it. I was like George Bailey in Bedford Falls. Like this was my Bedford Falls. I wanted to leave here. I was like, I'm going to go places. I'm doing this with my life damn it, I'm going to have this huge record deal and I'm going to be singing on all kinds of stuff. And it just never, it just, I always hit a wall. It never worked out for me. And so my husband and I, we got married and literally about a, a month later, who he is a producer as well, but a month later we, uh, we came high talent. No, we moved out to LA, lived out there for a few months and man, just a few like months. a month. Yeah. We didn't stay very long. We came hightailing it back home because L.A. is so hard to live in, and especially if you don't have a lot of money. <laughs> it's expensive. The it's very pe- expensive. It, the people are very affected Yes, out there, too. That's why it's hard for me. Growing up in the South yeah, and where people are people, Yeah, it's, it's like you're walking into a, p- a plastic. Well, you just feel like after all the people that I really loved from out there were either from L.A. or they were um, from the Midwest. But it was so funny because it was like I found myself either trying. It's like you either become L.A. or you get eaten up by L.A., you know. And and when I go somewhere, I found myself going, who's this and what do they do and how can they help me? And I hate that more than anything. Do you feel like that? Because I do a little bit now, too. But don't you feel like that now a bit, too, because you're at the level you are? Or don't you kind of yeah. wonder why people? Because nobody, nobody wants to be my friend. Like, really, if I didn't have this, a job, cool job, nobody oh, wants to be my friend. I don't think anybody want to be my friend either. <laughs> Maybe yeah. they think I was funny or something, but I don't know. No, I don't. No, there is a little bit of, of that, I think. You know, it just kind of comes with territory. But it's also um, a great way to set an example, I guess. You know what I mean? So, but I, I definitely, when you're out in L.A., when I was out there at the time, I definitely felt like, I just didn't like the person I was. And so we came home. After okay? a few months. After a few months. So I'm assuming you rented. Yes, okay. we did. Yes, we did. And we stayed in a nice area, but it was like we didn't have any money. It was just not fun. So, but on my last day there, I met with a publisher out there and uh, with Sony Publishing. And I had a great meeting. And so I came home and I told her I was moving back. So um, her name was Kathleen Carey, and she's awesome. 
came home, got a job at Comcast because we needed health insurance, worked there for like two to three years. In the meantime, my husband gets this job uh, to produce, co-produce with Frank Liddell, um, this girl, Miranda Lambert, who was third runner-up on National Star. New artist from TV, basically. Yeah, yeah. new artist from TV. Not even the winner, by the and way. And also, I might add, that was another thing that was changing the formats as well, was TV, you know, from American Idol to, I mean, everything you can imagine, all the TV shows. So anyways, you almost had to be on a TV show during that time to get a record deal. I mean, that's almost like what they were looking for. So he started working with Miranda and then they started all having, and I mean, literally Mike used to come home and play all these records. I mean, he played, produced, uh, engineered, mixed all like the first three records. And I just heard her music through the house all the time. And I would sing harmony. I sing harmony on all her records and stuff. But in the meantime, I'm still working at Comcast. And, <laughs> and then I also, then I also got a publishing deal at, with Sony in LA. One, it's like my last bid to try to be an artist. So I went out. Uh, I didn't go out to LA, but I was just writing for this project. And they, I, once again, I was meeting with labels. I mean, literally at 26, someone told me they were like, "Well, she's kind of old to have a deal right now." And, which is hilarious to me. I mean, which it makes, it just makes for a great story now. But at the time I was pissed. I was like, I'm not old, but, um, anyways, none of that worked out, but Mike was doing so well and he was, um, doing all this stuff with her and then David Nell, Eli Young band. But he finally was like, Hey, you should write with my wife. I mean, and she had met me because I'd sang on her records and stuff and I'd sang with her on a couple of things too. And she was like, Natalie, I want to write with you on this next record. And I was like, you call me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to bother you. You call I'm me. I'm like, I'm available. You just tell me when you have time. So she ended up calling me. And finally, and uh, literally, we wrote eight songs in two days. And it's because, I mean, I literally had all these ideas I'd just been saving for. And it was White Liar. So Only prettier. Let's talk about that. Let's, let me stop you for a second. You know, just for those at home, you wrote eight songs in two days. Now, most writing sessions, people put to you know four to five hours aside yeah. and go, "We're going to write." Yeah. And then you come up with a song, and you right. and and hopefully you demo it, and it's a thing. Yeah, it is. And and sometimes I have friends who do double writes. Yes. And they'll write, and that's a lot. Like you do a double write with two songs, you're exhausted. You are. You did eight songs in two days. Yes. You know what? Miranda, at the time, she lived in Texas, and I only had her for a couple of days, and I was like, I'm like, I'm going to drink coffee, and I'm going to write my brains out. I don't care. I'm like, I just wanted to get... But the thing about I liked about it was I really loved the songs. I had been working on the title White Liar for a while, and I was trying to make it this dark, mysterious thing, and it was just... Yeah. <laughs> She literally came up with that chorus like that. Like, just so easy. Talk about this. <laughs> so you have the title, but you don't have no. it yet. You have the title. So how do you how do you say, hey, I want to do a song called White Liar? Like, what do you say? Well, I was like, I have this idea. And I was like, I, I, I said, I've just been trying to come up with something, and I haven't come up with anything yet for it. Like, for Only Prettier, I had it very mapped out. Um, I had basically mostly the verse and the chorus mostly written. But... With a white liar, I was like, I didn't know where to go with it. And she goes, well, I don't know. Like, what about like, 
Hey, white liar. Truth comes out a little at a time. Like, and I was like that. Like that, literally. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. And then I was like, we, we wrote it in 30 minutes. Would, <laughs> was, would that be the moment that you went, okay, she's really special? Yeah, I would say that would be. But I tell you what, on her first record, she wrote Love is Looking for You Now by herself. And she also wrote Kerosene by herself, too. But I Love is Looking for You Now is like, what an amazing song that was. If anybody could ever go back and listen to that, they need to. It was so, And she wrote it when she was 16. And I was just like, damn, this girl is really good. Like, she's, I don't know. I, I really have always known that Miranda was a great writer. Would and, that be the first big check that you got was White Liar? Oh, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> yes. The, the the first mailbox money where you're like, holy crap, like I can actually not work at Comcast? Absolutely. And honestly, it's probably the song that's made me the most money because usually your first hits are the ones that um, keep generating because they, that's what they always go back and play over and over and over again for years. So if you can have a first hit with an artist, that's a really great thing. And the great thing is, is it's her first hit as well, her first number one. You know, Kerosene... I, I I totally thought kerosene or gunpowder and lead, all those should have been number one, but they just weren't at the time um, for whatever reason. And, but that was her first number one and my first number one. And it was really special to get to share that with her, you know? That's awesome. So uh, let's talk about 100 Flowers for a second. If you're hearing this and it's not Valentine's Day yet, don't put off the fact that she wants flowers. Beautiful flowers, by the way. 1-800-Flowers.com. Go ahead and get in on this right now because for right now, beautiful rose bouquets, $29.99, and that's where they start. These breathtaking roses from 1-800-Flowers are picked at their peak. They're shipped overnight to ensure freshness, and she's going to love them. So just pick up your delivery date right there. 1-800-Flowers will do the rest. 1-800-Flowers has an offer for if you're listening right now to this Bobby cast. So a dozen red roses for $29.99 plus chocolates. Perfect for Valentine's Day while supplies last. Now, if you're hearing this since after Valentine's Day, let me also recommend 1-800-Flowers.com too because it's fresh. Like It's like they chop the flowers, they cut them, they box them, they send them to you, and, and it's perfect. To order a dozen red roses right now for $29.99 plus a box of chocolates for free, 1-800-Flowers.com slash bones. 1-800-Flowers.com slash bones. And don't wait because what's going to happen is it's going to be too late, and then you're not going to have it, and then it's going to be like, dang, 1-800-Flowers.com. All right, so we're back, and I want to talk about uh, – you, you said you sang harmonies on Miranda's early stuff. Yes. You also – did you sing with Amy Grant? Because you mentioned her earlier. Did you sing with her? You know what? I never sang on her records, but um, I sang at the um, – the, she used to do this thing back in the 90s called The Loft. And she had this group of kids who come together and they would do like praise and worship songs, but they'd also do like these fun songs that were kind of silly, but they had like, like plays and they had all these like musical guests that would come on. And so they did a record and I sang on that record. Um, I mean with a big choir, but I've sang with Amy several times. Amy has been so awesome to me. She, the first song I ever wrote, (laughs) this is a funny story. The first song I ever wrote was called. Ever wrote like no, ever? Actually, I wouldn't say ever wrote. The first good song I ever wrote, <laughs> <laughs> decent. I don't even know if it's good anymore, but it was called the naive one. And she heard it. 
my mom played it for her and, and she was like, Hey, you want to come play a bluebird around with me? And, and I'm 19. I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. I'd love to go. You know, like I'm like, Amy should be so honored to have me. But, um, anyway, so she, we go to this bluebird around and it's Randy Scruggs, John Hyatt, and this brand new artist, Patty Griffin. Oh, wow. And I'm 19 at the time and I've never heard Patty sing and they let me go first. So I sing my song and then everybody claps and then they go around Amy, Randy, John Hyatt, who I was a huge fan. And then Patty is sitting right next to me and she sings poor man's house. And I just absolutely flipped out. I just was like, Oh my God. I like, I felt kind of stupid. I didn't know, but she had just put out living with ghosts that record. And, but that was my first bluebird experience. <laughs> so when you say that a, a couple of things come to mind and because I've been able to be lucky enough to play there too. It's like, you don't want to follow somebody that's really good. Oh no. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you go behind somebody that's super good, I felt dumb because I'm not good. I'm just kind of funny. Well, I mean, and you're following Patty's amazing. Patty was, um, did it, did, did you go, Oh crap. Or were you just such a fan that it didn't bother you? Well, you know what? They let me go first. So I didn't know how great everybody was. <laughs> but it came back around to you, right? Like, no, they let me do one song. Oh, okay. Cause it, yeah, I was a special guest. <laughs> okay. The spe- that's awesome. Then. Yes. then you just got to enjoy it. I got to enjoy it, Because yes. you didn't have to go again after Pat. Oh, because I'd have been like. Well, well, but in a similar story, Amy, years later, hey, do you want to play a bluebird round? You got to be careful when she asks you because you don't know who's going to show up. And I'm like, Sure. So it's her and Vince, Allison and Dan, and Mindy Smith. And so I had to go after Allison. So this time you had to do all the songs. <laughs> yeah. You had to go after. That's funny. I so, was pissed. But but it makes you better. When you said it made you better. Like, it did. It did. And you know what? I'm like, I'm in my head, I'm like, which one of us does not belong here or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know what? I enjoyed it and it was fun. I just did me, you know, <laughs> just be you. But I will say, um, oh, I had another point, doggone it, I was going to make. I can't remember. But anyways, it was, Amy's given me a lot of first moments, and I'm so grateful to her for that. So, Amy, Miranda, I mean, it sounds like the common theme here are strong women. Like, oh yeah, that's, totally. That's really, and that's why I wanted to go back to that for a second because it just seems like that that your theme and your life and your music is strong women. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm a very I'm a nice person, but I have I always. Um, someone asked me recently if you could compare yourself to a fictional character, who would it be? And even though in theory she's not a fictional character, but I'm literally the unsinkable Molly Brown. Like, <laughs> I, I just I, I might get beaten down, but I get right back up. <laughs> so. But I just, you know what? I also feel like I love music so much, and I don't care. It got to a point with me where I was like, I don't care if I'm singing at a coffee shop and no one's listening. I don't care if I'm singing at church. I just want to do music, you know? And um, and I'm just lucky that I, I get to do it now this way. But I've had all these, you know, and I've had some other friends who've had their careers have just already peaked, and it's over. You know what I mean? In all those years, you have to learn how to be so gracious and happy for other people while you're just busting your ass at a nine-to-five job wondering what's wrong with your music. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's so... Um, these times, these full-circle moments make it all worth it, you know? So you write White Liar. You have these eight songs with Miranda, who's at the time in Texas, and is, is coming up, and you guys are writing together. 
that gets put on a record. Was that your that's your first number one? Was that your first like big cut? Yeah, well, yes. She was my first huge cut. Yes. That was I knew I was gonna have four songs on a record. Um and I knew like one of them might have the potential obviously to be a single. I actually kinda wanted only prettier to be the single, but I was so happy when White Liar came out and it sounded so good on the radio because it sounded so different. It started with the chorus, you know, and at the time there wasn't a lot of songs like that. Um, it has kind of the bluegrass driving feel. I want to play this. This is only prettier. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I'll ask you this. So after the, this album comes out and now you're Natalie Hemby with a number one and, and cuts, do more people want to write with you? Are you cooler now? A little more in vogue? Oh, sure. Everybody is. Uh, you know, if you're a, a, an artist and you you start hitting on all, on all cylinders, all of a sudden everybody wants to write with you. And it's the same way for writers. Um, but I also was... You know, it's a strange thing that happened. I know this sounds like, oh, bust out the violins. But um, a- after White Liar went number one, I actually, I've known Tom Douglas for years. I used to sing his demos like forever ago. Um, and he, I was writing with him the day after. And for some reason I was like, I said, Tom, I don't know what it is. I feel kind of sad. I don't understand. Why do I, why am I so sad? I'm like, I had my first number one, hopefully. And I'll have another one. And he was like, well, that's just it. It's because you think you can't do it again, you know, and it took all this time and all this energy and effort and prayers and everything else. And he's like, and that's, that's kind of the, the downside to, to hitting that, those moments. It's like, you really have to teach yourself how to enjoy them because it's easy to go, well, then what next? What mountain do I climb next? But I just, yeah, I kept writing and writing and writing and honestly, I didn't really have baggage claim came out, and then um, um, I didn't really have anything going on for a while until I got a new publishing deal, another one. And um, Laura Wright said, "Hey, have you ever written with Little Big Town?" And I was like, "No." And I always have wanted to because I've known them for for years. They used to sing demos in Nashville too, and I'd see them passing in and out of the studio. And so I started writing with them and immediately just had a major connection with all four of them. They're good people. They're great people. They're I mean, and they I, love you, by the way. I, <laughs> and I say it so much. Like, I have a wall, and it gets brought up eventually. But it's the people that, like, I have a personal, like, connection with. And I keep, I keep six pictures on the wall. Of, it's over there to your left. And those are the um, only six yes. that I have up there. It's Little Big Town and Marin and Ur- good Urban. Past Slay is one of my best friends. I love Pasley like, so much. Like, but these are all great humans. They're great humans. Jansen and Kelsey. Yes. And so, like, those are the, those are the like my people in Little Big Town. They're just so. I was, by the way, I was talking. I ran into them. I ran into um, Kimberly. She said, "Cause I have a, my thing is I won't listen to new music until it comes out because I want to experience it like the people yes. that listen to my show. Yeah. Because I want to talk. I I can't be above my listeners, and I don't feel like I am, so I can't be cool." No, because well, I'm not cool. And right, I get what you're saying. So yeah. everyone's always like listening to new music, and I'm like, you know what? As much as I would love to, 
Like I am my listeners. Yes. And I totally. have, and I have to be, so I'm going to wait till the day it comes out. I'm going to yeah. be excited about it. And Kimberly was like, I, I, and I'm, I hope this is right. Cause I'm just going from memory. She goes, Hey, I wrote a song with Natalie about a Bible. Did you guys write a song together oh, on, their, you know on their new record? No. You know what? I know what song that is. What song did you write together? She said you guys wrote. Well, we wrote, uh, I wrote a song. I wrote a few songs with them. On their new record, though. On their new record. But I, I only, and the two that made it was one that I wrote with Lori and Barry. No, she wrote Hillary. Hillary. I'm pretty sure. It's either Hillary or Lori because. What did you write on the new record? Because she brought you up specifically. Did she? Yeah. Um, I wrote Free. On the new record, I haven't heard them because I won't listen. Because she was like, "Hey, listen, I, you listen I haven't to song. heard them either. They're being so they're kind of secretive." You haven't heard the song. No, they haven't, I haven't sent heard you it. the song that you no. wrote. They're being so stingy, and I'm going to go roll their house with toilet paper or something. <laughs> but um, no, they uh, they haven't played it for me yet. No, and actually, Miranda didn't either. And I was like, I want to hear the record. But um, shouldn't that be a rule? Like, if you write the song, it's, when it's produced, like you, I think it should be a rule. <laughs> maybe you don't have to email it, but you can at least let me hear it Just through the phone. Have me over and let me hear it. No, uh, and then I wrote one with the guys called Roland. That's what it is. It's it's the two the, the two guys and you wrote it. Yes, right, Philip and right. Jimmy. That's what it was. They were. That's what it was. Now it makes I sense. love it. I love it so much. It's it's. They brought you up to me because I was like, hey, Natalie. They were like, we love Natalie, and oh, I was like, I, I haven't them. met her, but she's coming to the house, and I knew that. So you have when people say Natalie, you Natalie Hamby, they're like she's in these camps, you know. Yeah, you're known as in the Miranda camp, and you're known as a little big town camp. Yes. And so, found out how you're in the Miranda camp for lack of that's what they say, lack of a better. Term. No, it is. That's what it is. How did you like? What was the first song for Little Big Town that you wrote that kind of popped out, and and how did you end up with this relationship with them? Well, um, first of all, they're so kind that when you meet them, you feel like you know them already. And you know what? I so relate to them because I felt like, to me, they were always underdogs. and Grinders, for sure. Grinders. Yeah. And you know what? I so was the same way in my own way, you know? Like, just always worked hard and almost there and not quite and almost there. But I, but should be there, you know what I mean? They were so amazing even back then. But um, the first song we ever wrote was called Night Owl. And I I was like, I wanted to do like an Everly Brothers type of deal with them. And you know what? Here's one thing you need to know about me. I love, my favorite songs and records are last songs. And on Revolution, I have Miranda, Miranda's last song is Virginia Bluebell. And then on this one, on Tornado, it was Night Owl. And it's sort of like, I just love album closers. They're just the most poignant songs to me. And so I wanted to write this Everly Brothers type call and answer song for the record. And literally that was the first song we wrote together. And then, then they started cutting my songs, which I was like, wow. I had no idea how many they had cut on the Tornado record. And I was just so excited. Cause literally, you say the Tornado record? You actually wrote Tornado. I mean, you wrote the song. Which is... It's the, the record's named after... It's crazy. It's crazy. You, get paid, you don't get paid extra for that, no, right? I mean, you, know, you didn't come up extra. with the word tornado, but that would be cool. <laughs> did you write this or pontoon with them first? Um, I didn't write either one of them with them. Well, did, for them. For them? Uh, I wrote this for them this first, first yeah. yeah. I meant for them. Say so this one first, and then pontoon second. Yeah. Well, you know what? I wrote pontoon with Luke and Barry, and... It, we almost wrote it like as a joke. Luke Laird. Yes. Yeah. Like literally we're like, 
I mean, the first line we originally had was back this bitch up into the water. I mean, that's how <laughs> funny we were trying to we were like <laughs> And they just made it cool. <laughs> so when you write this and it's a light song. And like you just said, you kind of wrote it. The idea came as a joke. It was such a smash. Oh, dude. I mean, it blows my mind. Like, I I love I love the song. I love how they did it. But it just makes me laugh that my piece of crap, piece of shit work tape can turn into something like that. I mean, it blows my mind, honestly. When, you, when, the, the, when it was said, motorboat, did you guys laugh? Because that's... Look, here's the story. So we're like, on a pontoon, making waves and catching rate. Literally, we write every line right up until that moment. We're like, out here in the open. And then finally, I was like, motorboating? Like, what are you going to say there? That's what you say. You say motorboating, but it was like, oh, do we say it? Sure, because there is this generation... Of before, it's usually before like 15 years old and then over 50 that does not know what the inner meanings of motorboat is. (laughs) So it was sort of like we got away with it concerning that crap. But some people were like, you knew what that was. I'm like, well, yeah, (laughs) it's in the freaking movie. And I'm like, but what else are you going to say there? (laughs) uh, Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers is what... You motorboat son of a bitch. So, yeah, I know. Sorry, so I should say that. You can uh, listen. This is uh, <laughs> you can say whatever you want. So okay, you have uh, you you write these. Little Big Town has two monsters with them. I mean, it, those really put them on the map as like big acts. Blows my mind. I mean, but, honestly, yeah. It, but that put them on as big. It acts. catapulted them yes. like in a crazy way. So here's a funny story. Like, we bought a pontoon, my husband and I did, because we were like, if if we're going to write a song, we need to buy a pontoon. And literally, I'd hear it in other people's boats on the lake. I mean, it's just, it was crazy. And I tell you what, you could write a song about, like, the most poignant song about your mother who did this, or, you know, saving souls and babies and all this stuff. But I, when we played pontoon, people just go batshit crazy over it. Because it's, it's a fun song. It's a fun song. They, they love it. Do you, have to, do you ever have to remind yourself that sometimes it's okay just not to be so serious and, oh, and hell so yeah. sincere all the time? Yes. I mean, honestly, I think this is the best advice is, I mean, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. Don't get pissed off if people don't like your music. Like, for example, when we went to go buy this pontoon... Um, my daughter, we had her on the boat, and we, we took a test drive with this guy, and he, and he had to sell the boat because his wife was having a baby. And he was so nice. We really enjoyed talking to him. And as we get to the dock, um, my, my child's kind of getting fussy, and we start to get off the boat, and she goes, motor boat in. And the guy goes, oh, my God, that song is so oh, awful. No. <laughs> having no clue that I had written it. And my husband was like... <laughs> my husband was looking at me like oh my god what's she gonna say and i just kind of put my head down i was like that song is a piece of shit (laughs) and i literally just walked away (laughs) and it was the funniest moment and i just got the biggest kick out of it but i just i'm so grateful for my number one piece of shit you know but in an awesome way isn't it funny that your kid is singing it like she's heard it oh yeah he knows it 
when it's coming out of a kid. I mean, it's that big of a song that's all we, the way wrapped back around. I wrote one. We wrote one of those songs. Yeah. You know, I was like, that's just crazy to me. So it's funny. You bought a pot. Do you still have the pontoon? Do you have that one? Oh no, we've already sold it. You sold it. Yes, and it and is the truth. The day you buy the boat yeah. and the day you sell it are the best days of your life. So I got into the whole boat thing too. <laughs> no, <laughs> never, 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 never again. No thanks. Tell me about this one here. You know what? That one is so funny because that was the first time I wrote with Shane and Luke together, and. We just were, it was so random. Literally, we didn't have a, a hook at all. We just started from the very, you know, all, all the parties in the streets are talking or whatever. I can't even think of my own lyrics. But my point is, we started on the verse and literally just kind of wrote it line by line. And then whenever um, they cut it, I was just like, I don't know. Anytime someone cuts something in mine that's outside of my quote unquote camp, I'm always like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, Lady Nebellum, that was, for me, that was a fluke. Like, I was like, I can't believe that just happened. But they did a great, I mean, it did really well on the charts. and Yeah, really well. It crushed. I mean, I, I, it, and they put out the most hilarious video for it. And, I mean, I was so grateful at the time. So, Man, there's no big story behind it. Only big story is the first time that um, Shane and Luke and I had ever written together. Which I have really good luck with verse. Um, even going back to Tornado, um, I wrote that with this girl Delta Maid, and she's from Liverpool. And it was 2011. It was the last ride of the year for both me and her. And she, it, it, literally, it was there was tornado sirens going off outside. And she's like, do you guys have a lot of tornadoes here? And I'm like, yes, we do. And she's like, I've always wanted to write a song called Tornado. And I'm like, I was like, that's a badass idea. I think that's a great idea. So we wrote it. And then literally, uh, Karen's like, let's put it on hold. We're going to call a record tornado. Oh, by the way, it's a single. Oh, it's, you know, 25, 10, 5. And then it goes to number one. And then literally the next time I saw Delta was at our number one party. So I'd only seen her two times in my life. And I just thought that was so. But I have really good luck with riding with people on a first drive. Is there ever an ego thing amongst writers where someone goes, hey, I have an idea, but you want to have the idea? Oh, sure. <laughs> I mean, we're all secretly jealous of one another. I mean, especially when you hear a great song that one of your friends wrote, you're like, damn it. I'm like, I'll never forget when Marin played me in my church. She, uh, she sent it to me in a text and when she was out there writing with Busby. And we had just written with Busby, and I was like, Doggone it! I'm, and I literally, I loved it so much. I was like, "That's that's amazing." I'm, I said, "I'm totally pissed you wrote that without me," but I'm totally excited for you. <laughs> you, know, you talk about Marin. Uh, let me talk about Sherry's berries for a second. All right. So again, Valentine's Day is coming up. If you're hearing this, if, if we, you know, it's pretty recent after we're doing this, but uh, Valentine's Day is coming up, and you can send even if it's not Valentine's Day. Maybe you're hearing this months from now, but if it's Valentine's Day, you want to send them something awesome. Let me talk about Sherry's Berries. Freshly dipped strawberries from Sherry's Berries starting at $19.99 plus shipping or double the berries for $10 more. You just need my code BONES to get the deal. These berries are humongous. They're fresh. They're juicy. They're sweet. They're shareable. They're dipped in all kinds of stuff like white milk, dark chocolatey goodness. They're huge. You can send them to him at work. You can send them to her at work, and everybody's going to be jealous, but they're so big and there's so many that – 
they'll be able to share too. They're going to love them, even if it's not for Valentine's Day. But right now, it's almost Valentine's Day is why I'm talking about it. Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Only one day to get Sherry's Berries starting at $19.99. Berries.com. Click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and type in Bones. Berries.com. The microphone, top right-hand corner. Click in Bones. Valentine's Day is coming up right now. But if it's not Valentine's Day too, just check out the site, Berries.com. All right, we're back here. And we were talking about Marin Morris a second ago. And I, I love the, the record. I'm a Marin fan. Me too. I was getting in trouble for stealing YouTube clips and playing Marin on the radio before the songs <laughs> were even out there. Because I just, I just I love that. Because lo- you love her music. I do. I, I do didn't too. even know her. I didn't even know her. And I, was, I loved her music. And, but she came up, and, and the record is so good. And this is one of my favorite songs on the record. I'm not the hero in the story. And you wrote this. Uh, I wrote it with her and Ryan. This is a jam. I love this song. Cause you're looking for true love and I'm not the one. But I wish, but I wish I was. And that's a jam right there. I love that song. I mean, and it's not a single yet. Who knows if it will be? It don't matter. That's just a, a it's an amazing song. I don't care if it's a single It's not. an amazing song. I'm, lo- I'm super, and it turned out. The feel of it is so nice. That backbeat playing, you know, I, and the piano, everything is perfect. The way you feel about me. I should let you sing it, not me, because I, no, I love it. I, I sing on it. <laughs> are you singing yeah. background vocals on this? Yeah. Me, her, and Ryan are. Both her and Ryan have come up separately and, and done this, and they're just both creative beings. They are. They totally are, and they they create such great music together, too. Man, that's and a good song. I, that wasn't the first song I wrote with the two of them, but... It, um, what else did you write with them? I wrote a song... Uh, start with the um, I, I wrote that song. with Busby. This is a good one, though, Marin song, too. Yeah, I love this, this song. This is a good, too. So you're in the Marin camp. I mean, I, I will say Marin is probably. Um, I listen to the record back and forth. No, me times. too. Yeah. It, it's such a phenomenal record. Marin is like, I called, I don't know if she's ever told the story, but um, my friend Daniel Tashin was the one who turned me on to her. And Daniel is an amazing writer here, and he's from Nashville too. He's like, you need to write with this girl, Mary Moore. She's amazing. And I was, and he sent me a song, and I was flipping. You should hear the songs that she hasn't cut. I mean, I'm if I do another record, I'm gonna put on some of them on my record. <laughs> like she don't have no choice. The- but my my, I called her. I went to Kroger late one night because I was leaving the next day, and I was like, I called her at ten thirty. I was like, you don't know me, but my name's Natalie Hemby. I was like, I am, I love your writing and your voice. And I, I was like, I just want to, I'd love to get together right. And we we have a true friendship, she and I do. We just, it's a very, like, honestly, Marin doesn't need me. You know what I mean? I don't, 
none of these people need me. And that's what I really love about working with these people is we don't really need each other, but we love working together and that's what makes it fun. And that's how I feel about her. She has a camp of a great group of people she writes with, but, um, she can write her ass off. She's a great writer. So the first song, you know, what turned me on to her, it was a song that she hadn't cut. I think it's called hate. Oh God. That's what, that's the first song I ever heard. That's the first thing I played ever of hers. And I was like, this, this is like different level type stuff. And it wasn't on the record and it, it sits on YouTube. You can still find it. And it's, I mean, it is, I was like, holy crap. Oh my God. Well, I, we wrote a song. I, that song like literally made me cry. Um, but one of my favorite songs, I'm literally going to put it on my next record. It's called, that I wrote with her, it's called No Way Out. And I wrote it with her and Ian Fitchuk. And it's like, it's like, who told you there was no way out? Every door was open. Every wall came down. Who told you there was no way out? It's such a beautiful song. And she has the, she has the ability to write this super sassy songs but she's so heartfelt you know Man. i love that girl Let's i'm see. so glad you love her too oh, I'm <laughs> just you know there are some people that you just root for too I know, it's like not yes. only do you just love their music but you also root for them because of how they did things yeah totally and there's and i and she was here three weeks or so ago and you know she came because ryan ryan and i did this months ago and man i was like i want to come to your house and do this yeah and i was like Let's find a time because I'm always on the road. She's always on the road. She came up and we sat down and talked. And I told her, I said, you know, I'm a fan. But when you got up and you t- you spoke at the CMAs, when she won the Best New Artist, we talked about the speech. She was like, I didn't have anything ready. They started rushing me. I said, you said to me what was one of the more poignant things and something that I remember that just triggers constantly is that one year ago you were sitting at a freaking bar across the street watching on TV. I know. That's how it is. And if that's not, ins- if you don't get inspired by that, you, oh, I don't know, so I, don't, I don't know what can inspire you. I don't either. I was literally drinking and tweeting all night and I just like <laughs> Baron more. I was like, and I literally called her the next day. I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> How about this song right here? Cause I love this one here. Let's- Keith Urban. Good thing. Oh my God. Yes. This is a jam. Tell me about this one. Well, you know what? Keith is, I mean, Keith is so, he's on, he's so talented, a great player. And actually, this was our second write we had written on, and um, it was me, him, and Micah Elizondo. And actually, that day we wrote the song, it was a really tough day. And, um, and it was just sort of like, you know what? Keith is, he doesn't need me either. <laughs> Basically... I would say Keith and I are like an orange and a mushroom. We don't, we're not in the same food group necessarily. But you know what? I learned a lot from him. Like when he started playing this guitar riff, I was like, I started singing this totally different melody. And he, he said to me, he goes, okay, that's really badass. He said, but it sounds more badass when you sing it. If I sing it, it sounds, it does not sound the same. And I was like, touche. That totally makes sense to me, you know? But Keith is very, um, he's a passionate person. He's a passionate writer. And I had a blast writing with him on that day. But it was also a really tough day. Um, only because I was just trying to figure out which direction he wanted to go. You know? Sometimes you walk in with ideas for people and it's just, you have to feel out the room. And I was trying to get his vibe on it. But you know what? 
I'm so grateful that he cut that song, and I love how it turned out, and the guitar solo is amazing on it. So I want to get to your album in a second. I want a couple more, go a couple more songs deep though on on stuff that you've written. Sure. Like my favorite artists, frankly, are strong women artists. Period. Like current Me artists, too. So they, they, they are, and I love Marianne. Like my favorite contemporary artist right now is Casey Musgraves. Period. She's, love Casey. She's, she's so my much. she's my favorite. Like she's my favorite. She's my favorite. She's everybody's favorite. She's awesome. And so don't want to be a part. Love this song. <laughs> Good old boy. So tell me about this song. Well, you know, I have been, I mean, before, I mean, I'm from here. I mean, I've been saying for years, I'm like, screw the boys club. Like, and I do mean the good old boys club, you know, here. There was this, I don't know. I'm not trying to rip on the guys because there's no, a lot No, you can't. Feel free. I do all the time. I think. It's like, you know what? There's a lot of talented guys, but I'm just kind of tired of. The same shit that sounds the same coming out all the time. Same dudes who sound right and same crap. And you know what I'm talking about. Everybody's been preaching it for a while. But it's like when this girl right here, I, there's five girls right now, I think, on top 50 radio in country music. And I'm just like, damn it. Come on. There's a shift happening, though. There is a shift. There is a shift. And I think it's, and I'm so grateful that. We have voices. And I'm not saying put us on the radio because we have boobs. I'm saying put us... There's some great music coming from female artists that have not been given a chance. That's what it is. So for me, and this has been something that over the past, you know, since my little tenure started in Nashville, is that every year I would just take a week and just highlight females. I was raised by all women. Like you have to... With my background, like I was raised by all women, mom, grandma, sisters. So for me, it's... I love yes. I, I just you're like that's how my husband is. I mean, he's been around girls all his life and I mean there's and there's some strong women here. There's some amazing singers here. But here's where the artists. blame goes because Rolling Stone will come and do it. Like, hey, tell us why there are no women. And my thing it's not a first of all, I'm different because I'm an idiot and I get to play whatever I want. Now at this point, I didn't always. I got in a lot of trouble when no, I first started. I love that because I get to write whatever I want. <laughs> right, right. It, at this point now, we kind of get to choose our own destiny. Totally. We, we didn't at first. I failed miserable. I'm writing a, my second book. It's called Winning by Losing. Like you have to lose so many times to learn to win. No, you do. You so do. with that, I would bring every year, I, just, I would find all these girls that I felt like were not being featured and showcased. And they would say, why are you ready, ready to play women? And I was like, well, here's the thing. When there's a sound that's created, everybody wants to copy it. You yeah. Know? Because it's true. all about money. Everything's revenue. Oh, everything, everything is, is revenue-based. The whole world's wrapped around revenue, whatever in- industry you're in. Totally. And because this sound comes out that we'll just call it what everybody called it was bro country, which I, th- right. I think is unfairly called that, but okay, fine. We'll use that term. Right. Very male, very, very male. Very male. Yeah. Very male and very fun male, like party male. Yes, totally. But the labels weren't developing females at all. They weren't developing them to even give out as an option. No. Because they saw what was selling, so their minor leagues weren't strong Right. when it came to – okay. So, when this runs out. Right. right. Like when it runs out, like what do we do? And so my thing has been we don't need a revolution of no. anything because a revolution will then fall away. All we it need will. is the best to win. I agree. Regardless and you know of penis and I think or not. Stapleton is a great example of that. And uh, Brothers Osborne 
I mean, that's what I really just want to see is great music win. And I just, my thing is like, there's some really great female artists and Casey being one of them that I feel like, God, you got to give them more of a chance to be on radio. I mean, I think people would, I don't know. I, I think people would love to hear a little bit more diversity in country music if they would just offer it a little bit more. And yeah. you know what rate? And, and again, I, I don't speak for me. I, I'm speaking right. for radio in general. Absolutely, because I feel like the, I th- a lot of these guys get a bad rap in radio because they only play what's offered to them from the record labels. That's, that's true. I mean, everybody's like, "Well, right in radio." Well, we, and record a, labels are blaming radio. It's ra- like radio blame stations go. don't pick blame singles. Game. They we, we're offered this is the single. I know. Will it work? And then we're like, uh, "Let's see." I know. So. Um, with that being said, I do want to talk about your record because I mean, I told, I tweeted you, I was like, I've listened to this thing. Dude, like, thank three, you three so times. much for oh. tweeting me. Oh. I've never been tweeted. <laughs> I, and I felt, I was like, oh, I'm going to look like such a nerd boy. Cause no, I, again, dude, are you kidding? That's so, so sweet. first of all, talk about the title of the record and, and what it means. Well, Plexico is a, a little town in Southeast Missouri. It's called Plexico. And, um, I basically, here's the long short of it. I got this harebrained idea before White Liar, before I had any hit number one song, to do a documentary in my grandparents' small hometown in southeast Missouri. And basically, they have this festival every year called Homecoming. And anywhere from eight to 10,000 people come out to this tiny town of, like, literally it's like 880 people now that live in this town. For, from Tuesday to Saturday, and they have carnival rides, square dancing, goat burgers. It's like literally Mayberry with a little carnival and it's such a bygone era. And I noticed one year the attendance was really down and I was like, I wish we could do a documentary and base it on, you know, how do you keep a homecoming alive? How do you keep your town alive? How do you keep a tradition alive? And so I got together, I met uh, Ryan Silver and Scott um, Murphy and we went and filmed in Puxco for two weeks. It was the hottest week ever on record. And it was exhausting and we did this documentary but it turned into this thing of more of a story about my grandfather and I and our relationship and like why uh why I love Puxico so much is really because of him and it's like and and that's part of what I have on the uh, the front of the record it's like in the beginning I thought this was about a town but really it's about a man a man who loved me so much I had to tell the world you know that sort of deal and that's kind of what it beca- it came into. And so what happened, though, was I had the soundtrack that I'd written for it with some great buddies of mine, uh, Trent Dabbs being one of them, Lindsey Chapman, Jen Schott, Kelly Archer, um, Jonathan Cassandra Lawson. A lot, all these people contributed, contributed to this. And so I, Ryan and Marin actually were going to Michigan, and they were like, can we have a soundtrack to Puxco? We really love the music. And they were listening to it on the way up there, and they kept texting me, you got to put this out. This is so You were considering beautiful. not putting it out? Well, I was going to put it out more as a soundtrack and just more as like, but then I'm like, no, this is my first record. It really is. This is like the deepest part of who I am as a person. This is like part of my story, my history. And I, I, I love, my husband produced it. He played most of the instruments on there. But we got like some great guys like Fred Eltringham, Greg Lease, um, play on it. And Jonathan actually played on Cairo. But I, it became this 
beautiful. I, I just loved how the project turned out. So it sounded so beautiful. It just sounded like my soul bled, you know. And I love Cairo. I love I this is so good. Still, I'll keep driving past the ghost of Cairo. questions yes question one can you appreciate just how good that is oh i i, I love it okay good I, I hope so no i do and you know what that was always the pressure of putting out a first record it's like you wait all this time it's like i i listened to that over and over and over and over and over again and because it was just it almost made me cry the first time i heard it just sonically sonically the whole thing it's, it's just gorgeous sonic. my husband did such a and i'm not like I mean, don't get me wrong. We fight in the studio too, <laughs> but I so appreciate him musically. I think he is—he has great taste, and he's worked with some brilliant engineers, producers, artists all all these years. It's like he's been conditioned for these different these types of moments as well. But literally, that sonically just is music to my ears. It's so warm sounding, and honestly, that is how I feel when I drive through Cairo, Illinois. Cairo is so such an archaic town, and it's like literally uh, the bones of of something that used to be beautiful. And there are still people that, by the way, it's also pronounced Cairo, Illinois, which I do know this. But I was like, to the world, someone's going to look at this and think, "Oh, Cairo, Illinois." Oh, that's what I thought. I mean, right? Yeah, no, it's I, Cairo. I really it's thought al- it was Cairo. Yeah. What's funny in the South and in the Midwest, there's all these different towns. There's like Arab, which was Arab. There's advanced Missouri. It's advanced, (laughs) you know? So I've gotten a couple of hate mails. It's like, you do know it's pronounced Cairo, right? Or or Cairo. And I'm like, yes, I do. But, um, but anyways, the town is a relic of what it used to probably look like. But to me, it's a symbol of me going home to a place I love or a symbol of my heartbreak, having to leave a place I love. And that's kind of what Jonathan, he's from Missouri too, and he was kind of saying the same thing about when you drive through. It's a very unique, it's an eerie kind of place in this beautiful way. Do you, when you sing, and, and your reputation too, because I have, a, I have a lot of songwriter friends, and your reputation is you don't want to sing a song that you sing in a demo. It's tough to follow you. People always say that. <laughs> Do they really? It, it, people don't want to follow Lori McKenna. They're like, if you get well, a Lori or Hillary. No, Hillary I Lindsay, Yes. Or you. I mean, those are the ones like, oh, we, you can't sing like Natalie. Like, that's well, that's what people say. Like, when you hear you sing, are you like, man, I, like, I'm elite. I'm well, an elite I vocalist. I don't think I'm elite. I mean, I have my way of doing things, but I'm, I don't. You are elite. My... I'm telling you right now, you are elite. <laughs> hey, I've, that's my rapper name. I'll take it. You're elite. Yes, you're, you're, <laughs> you're elite. You are elite. I'm not elite. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh. So. <laughs> I love Paris. Paris well. I picked a few of my favorites. Oh, dude, pick away. Right now. 
Were you nervous before it came out? Oh, I was so nervous. You, you were? Oh, yeah. Well, because, of, because of why, though? Like, what was the pressure for you in um, your head? You know, I don't know. I've had so many people, like, through later on and through the years, be like, when are you going to put a record out? And I'm like, I ain't putting out a record. Um, just because during the time when I was going to put out a record, you had to have a record deal. And I just... To me, it's like I've I've watched other people put out the records. It's really nerve wracking, and I I really I was nervous because I wanted my peers to like it. That's really what it is. I mean, you could sit here and say, "Oh, I don't care if nobody likes it," and I do feel that way a little bit. I mean, I like what I like, and I don't let anybody else get in the way of that. But but I also want to be. I want people, other people, to like it. Not really for a selfish reason, but just. You know, I loved the fact that Marion and Ryan called me on the way on a road trip and they wanted to listen to this because that is what that's how I want people to listen to this record. I want them to go back home, take a road trip somewhere, put it put it in the car, roll the windows down, you know, and just kind of escape and be happy and, and have that feeling of nostalgia a little bit. You know, let me give them one more. Tell me about this song here. I mean, this is probably my most played song. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> you know what? Um, Jen shot of her idea, and it was so crazy. We, I hadn't, I, I actually didn't write it for the documentary. We we wrote it because um, she had lost her dad, and she had gone back home, and you know, just anytime you lose someone that you love, it's almost like they're still around even when you go back home to visit. And that's kind of what this was about, but it turned into so much more. Um, when my record came out, it was, it was Friday, January the 13th, and that was the anniversary, which was coincidence of when Jen's father had passed away. And then also I lost an aunt that day. And I don't know, Dorf, you know, Andrew Dorf passed away, and it just, this song hits home in so many ways, you know. Um, even when I go home to Puxico, it's like I still feel like my grandmother's there, you know. It's like we all have to leave our fingerprints behind. I guess you hung around something to talk about. And I hope it never stops. All this time still talks about you. I can never let it inside. So good. Thank you so much. It's so good. I, it means a lot that you like it, honestly. It not listen. Who cares what I like? I love it. No, I care. I'm like I like what you like. Well, <laughs> you like all my friends. Man. We like the same thing. Natalie Hemby. Wow, dude, it, we're like best friends already. I I just look at this body of work, and even now, like it's I understand why I'm intimidated to talk to you. Oh shush! It's no just, way. You, you you're just on a different level. I, I don't, I'm actually not. I'm just, you know, I love music just like everybody else. And I honestly, I always want to throw a few curveballs here and there. And, but I just, I'm so glad I get to do it because I didn't get to do it for a long time. You know, I didn't know if I was going to be able to ever, I never thought I'd be able to have a career like this. You know, I always hoped for it, but, um, man, it's been a ride. If it all ends tomorrow, I will, I will die grateful, you know? 
And um, I just hope nobody plays really bad songs at my funeral. <laughs> <laughs> and you're actually leaving here to go write about, can I say this? Okay. Oh, please. To write with Lucy yes. Silvis. And anytime Lucy gets brought up on this, we always call her. She's always like, Bobby, what? And so. We have to call Lucy we, right we will now. Call, I will call Lucy. She's going to die. From, my, from myself. <laughs> and, we'll, and last time she didn't answer, but she called me right back because. Oh, she'll answer. I think I told her I was coming over here. Oh, okay. Then she'll know. Did she say, did she say nice things? Or did she like, watch out? She probably hates me, but she's like my best buddy. I love her so much. Good evening. <laughs> I'm, I, we're, we're talking about you again on... Oh, my God. I know. Uh, <laughs> I can't uh, so, so Natalie and I are here talking. So... What what would you say about Nat- Natalie's not listening? She's in the isolation booth. So <laughs> the isolation booth. I, I'm conjuring up all sorts of images. Um, um, what would I say about Natalie? Mm-hmm. Just how can anyone resist that husky voice? <laughs> it's just so appealing. I could listen to it all day and all night, speaking or singing. Um, she's the coolest person. She's. I met her a long time ago, so she's been very a big part of my Nashville story and we've been a lot of changes in my life she was there for as well and she's the sweetest sweetest person mm-hmm. on earth very humble and sweet but talented she's like a bonnie Raitt to me so you yeah. do realize every time that we bring a friend up here we're going to call you on the phone and ask <laughs> you your thoughts <laughs> i actually love these i'm looking is it a monthly podcast or a weekly podcast? It's weekly. Sometimes a couple okay. of weeks, yeah. I seem to have missed a couple of weeks. Then. <laughs> That's okay. That's the good thing about a podcast. You can catch up. Perfect. All right. Of course, you have me on. That, yes, we're... That's the big finale. That's going to be the final episode. We finally have you on after all the cell phone calls. <laughs> okay. Well, you guys have fun. All right. Bye, Lucy. Bye, bye. So let me just tell you a little something about Lucy. Lucy and I are the same age, but we met. And we had to we had to stay we we've gone on all these BMI trips together, and we always stay in the same room. <laughs> and she is so damn gorgeous. And when she wakes up in the morning, she has wild, crazy, beautiful Victoria's Secret hair, and like has this cute little outfit on. And I am literally in a sweatshirt and sweatpants. I might as well have a retainer on and face cream <laughs> and hair in a bun and like seriously like. And we both we both sound like men in the morning. Like we're like, do you want to get some coffee? <laughs> yes, Natalie, I'd love some coffee. Yeah, you know, I mean, literally, it's like it's so funny. She to me, we were at I had dinner a month or so ago, and I I, I just never talked to her about her past life, which is the music she made in the UK. Yes. And I was like, Lucy, we spent all this time together. What? Tell me about like what she goes. I sold a million records in the UK. And I was like, what? Yes. She was like, um, she's like, a million. And I was like, what was your biggest song? She's like, well, I did a Metallica cover of <laughs> Nothing <laughs> Else Matters with a, with a band. And I, I and came. Which, literally, they were, murdered her over the internet, like some of the Metallica fans. Was blown away. And I came home. It's and beautiful. It was way before the rasp. That yes. she has now. Yes. But yeah, it's really awesome. Anyway, Lucy gets brought up in every one of these because everybody loves Lucy. If you don't I, love Lucy. No, if you don't love Lucy, I don't love you. That's what we should make these t-shirts of. <laughs> Let me end with this. It's a little So I, I have a girlfriend that's an artist. You have a husband that's in the industry. How do you guys – because it's a, it's a cool thing because you can bond and relate, but it's also a lot. 
Oh, yeah, no, it's always home. And, um, you know, it's hard. I mean, sometimes it's hard, you know. I, since my family is in the music business, I kind of learned how to navigate between those two. And and I do, I work with men all the time and, but I literally have thousands of brothers in the world is what I always say. But you know what? I think the thing is you just have to always remain respectful of each other and your talents. And you know what? I also, there's times where I have had nothing going on. And he just kept it going, kept me inspired, kept me writing. And there's times where he, he's had nothing going. And I'm like, I kept him going, kept me inspired. And I always tell him, like, you know what? One thing that we're really good at is we pull inward, you know. When we when we when he and I make music together, good things happen. And I'm I'm so grateful for that, you know, because it sure beats the alternative. <laughs> what about because this has become oddly I very like a lot of artists listen to this because I get to get people like you and talk for a long time. Right, and right, right. There's not a lot of that. I get to bring in songwriters and just really go deep into ideas and thoughts. And um, so artists will come and even young artists and say, "Hey, you know, how do I do this? How do I do?" What do you tell artists that are are starting now? Like, what's the key to it all? I think. I think the key to it all is authenticity. Uh, like, you know what? Do you, I don't know. You ha- it has to happen at the right time or it will not work. And you will have a short career and it'll be over. I mean, if you start too soon and you don't know who you are and you have labels telling you who you are, it just, it will not work out. You, you really have to be, give yourself time to develop who you are as an artist because literally that music will be out forever. You know, I am so glad by the way, it did not work out for me back then because I might've turned into, when you sign at a label, you become a product, you know, and if you can have your product ironed out before you get to a label, man, what a much better road to travel. I mean, I feel like that's why Marin is successful. Why Casey got her deal. Like a lot of these artists did that, you know, even Lucy. But I, if you start off and you're like, make me somebody, and you're just a great singer, well, I don't, that, it's not going to work. You have to be true to who you are. If you're going through a really shitty time, write some songs about it because people will believe you. I think people want to believe artists now again, you know? You're right. Authenticity has been gone for so long that now it's so refreshing. Yeah. It's craved. It is. That's why Adele is so huge. It's craved. Because she breaks through this wall of sound that's on the radio. And when her song, when Hello, you know, comes on, you're like, you listen. Because it's like, you feel something. I think people want to feel music again. And not, I mean, look, I love dance music. I love, I love good party songs. But I'm just saying, we need a nice mixture of everything. It, it all needs to be authentic. No matter what it is. You know, one of the artists, and you mentioned Shane McAnally earlier. Yes. We didn't say his last name, but Shane. Um, and, and I like Shane a lot because, first of all, he's a great writer. He, he is one of the best writers in Nashville. He really, he's a phenomenal writer. He, uh, obvi- his, you know, Sam yes. is heavy Shane. Yes. You know, they work together a ton. And Walker Hayes, I have Walker Hayes opening for me now on my stand-up comedy tour. And Walker, awesome. he's awesome. He's like my favorite. Walker's like my favorite, right? And that's why I was like, dude, you have to come out and do shows with me for like five months. Yeah, totally. And, and so Shane signed Walker. So I have all these, you know, ways around to, to Shane. But I, I, I talk about 
the authenticity of just even the words right. of, for example, Sam. And people go, oh, Sam. the haters will go, oh. No, they but, do. But, but really, he, Sam is totally himself. He ta- is- the, the, even the words he says sometimes don't fit, but it's so real. It is. That it fits because it's human words said. Well, and he wrote the, I mean, he, this is what, this is what he does. You know what I'm saying? Whether you like it or not. Right. Whether you like it or not, even Florida Georgia Line. I mean, they have their own sound. That's their, 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 you know, party boys sound kind of thing. It's funny you bring that up. I was asked about that and I said, everybody blames them. And I was like, they're not to blame. They created a new sound. Like they did. everybody copying them is what this culture became for a while, and it's starting to break out of that. But the people that blame Florida Georgia Line, they're ridiculous. That they what I they know. did was so new that it it was. And I mean, the cruise thing was just so huge that it launched a format for it like did. three and a half years of nonstop that. And did other things fall to the? It's not their fault that they were so no, different. It's, but it's like you can look at any trend in like that in music. I mean, even like, I remember when Vanilla Ice came out <laughs> back in the day. And it was just like, oh my God, he's amazing. But I mean, then then that stuff went away. It was like... <laughs> I had the tape. It was well, Back in the day, we, we bought singles on tape. Of course, I did too. Yes. And I had Ice Ice Baby and you flipped it around. It was Play That Funky Music, White Boy. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I remember. And I, know. I had, And I also had the, the MC Hammer of Vanilla Ice right down the middle. And it was one on each side. And then I had the MC Hammer. You can't touch this. Have you seen her on the backside? I don't know if you remember. Have you seen her? Have you oh, seen her? Of course. Her? Tell me, have you seen her? Yeah, yeah. Like he's like totally talking in the background. And then along comes Snoop Dogg and just wiped all that out. There's always something yeah. that comes along and wipes. Well, it's like out. the hair bands into, into grunge. Into grunge. And it said, they said, you know, goodbye. And just like that. You know, Done. Nirvana. It smells like the video of Smells Like Teen I'll Spirit. I'll never forget the first time I saw it. it in the gymnasium. In that, it changed everything. everything. It and then it did until the boy bands came in. Yes. And then it changed everything. everything. Yes, and then totally. It, but trends always end up going and coming. And they, they, they come do. back again. They and will. that's just the cycle. Everything cycles. It does. And I'm, I actually really like this. This Chris Stapleton cycle, I hope it sticks around for a really long time. <laughs> the thing- you know what's funny, though? Go back to the no. Blue thing. I, Erica called me one time. She goes, hey, I got a spot. You want to play Bluebird around with uh, Chris? And I said, no. <laughs> I'm not. No. She goes, what? Are you serious? I was like, no, I'm dead. I, no, there's no way I'm playing it around with Chris Stapleton. <laughs> this is my, and, and I'll leave on this story. This is my favorite Chris Stapleton story. Um, so... I heard Chris sing on YouTube, um, and and I knew he'd been writing. And one of my one of my like you know I have like ten really good friends in town. Yeah, less than ten, but you know two hands, right? Yeah, yes. And one of like my close friends is a writer named Lee Thomas Miller. Lee Miller, we don't call him Thomas. Do you know Lee? I love Lee. Okay, close. Like yeah, I don't hang out. I hang out with Lee. Yeah, because Lee's great man. And so every other Wednesday, him and Chris would write together for years. For years, they would just write, 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 and. I heard I was listening to Chris sing on YouTube, and I was like, I gotta have this guy. He didn't have a single out. It was just be- wow. And so I called him, and he was in the shower, and he was like, Oh, huh? I was like, Hey, come on, no studio, just play because I just think it's so amazing. And it was my early days here too, and I was yeah. causing trouble, and people. Did, it, it wasn't good going. It wasn't going good for me. It wasn't. No, yeah. It wasn't going good for me at the time, right? Because I was just like, Screw all. This. I just want to do what I want to do, and right. if it doesn't work, I'm fine with that. But so Chris comes up and he plays, and he, he cr- obviously crushes it. Yes. And I think he came up and he sang. 
a Josh Turner song that he had written. Yes. So he comes up and he sings, and I'm just like, holy crap. So I invite him back again. I invite him back. About the fourth time he comes up, someone very high at a radio station, over stations, call, calls my boss and says, hey, I don't know who this Chris guy is, but you've got to stop having him on because nobody knows who he is. And I, go, and I go to my boss, and I'm like, but he's so good. I know he doesn't even have a record out right now, but he's so – He's just so good, and that's what I want on the air. I'm not kidding you. A week and a half later, he goes on the CMAs, and that's the when him and Timberlake sang together. And, it, and I didn't have to say anything. And usually I like to be like, I told you. I didn't have to say anything. No, you don't have to say anything. Nothing. And I was so happy for Chris. Yeah. And everybody is so happy for Chris because you talk about a grinder. Oh, yeah. I know. He's, he's been doing it for And Morgan. Morgan is – I've wrote one of my favorite songs with Morgan. I wrote a song called Casino. It was on the um, Nashville show, but – she, oh my God, is she a singer? And literally, like, just had terrible things said to her when she was signed to Sony. And, you know, they made her go to, I don't even want to say it. They just did, they've just basically stripped her self confidence. And you, you want to talk about also one of the best singers in Nashville. Morgan Stapleton is a mother effer of a singer. But, um, so it was so nice to see the two of them standing up there together. And, um, but I, I feel like it's fun. I mean, it's fun to watch people jump on the bandwagon after the fact when you were like back in the day going, yeah, this person's amazing and you guys are all stupid and you have no clue. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, now, now, now you're ready to accept, but whatever, at least they get, but at there. least they get it. At yeah, least they get it. That was exactly. mine too. I was like, I was just happy for them. Oh, me too. You know what? Oh, I, I was losing my mind. I was it. so happy for him that I was like, I don't even care that people, I don't even care. You know, and I have a library of Chris playing live and nobody else does. I have a library in the studio of him coming up and just playing songs. That's a that's Nobody a else has library. that because I have him basically doing his whole record acoustic live because he would just come up and play. And so now. You just need to do a whole show of this, all this. Oh, don't worry. I play him all the time. I play him all the time. <laughs> I, I've really enjoyed this. Oh, me too, buddy. This me is, too. This has been a lot of fun for me. Oh, listen. I'll, uh, yes, I, I thank you for supporting great artists too. I'm serious. I'm not kissing your ass. I'm being serious. Like that's a really, I, I can't say enough about that. I just want people to champion good music, you know? And I'm not saying like, just because you don't, I don't like your music. It's not good music. I'm just saying though, like people who genuinely, like genuinely are talented and people all over the world would recognize it. You know what I mean? Put those people up in the spotlight. I love that. You know? Well, I've. This has been fun. I've had a blast. You are a, a, a definite presence that I enjoy. Well, likewise. I, I'm not a presence that anyone oh, enjoys. Oh, you totally I, are. I got nothing. We have all the same friends, so we're, got, that makes us really close friends immediately. So. Oh, man. Natalie Hemby. Wow. Thank you so much for having me. Get Puxico. Download it. And I always say, download it, don't stream it, because you stream it, she ain't getting paid. <laughs> Uh, thank you. This has been episode 34, and uh, probably want to. Mike, you have any questions? I, you're sitting over there producing away. Ask her a question. Do you ever like get an idea in a dream for a song? Like you wake up and. Oh my god, yes. That is so weird. You say that. Uh, I've done it several times. Like, I'll and, and I'll try to sing. Well, I get melodies in my dreams, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll sing into my phone at three in the morning. But it's like. <laughs> it's like two octaves lower than it should be, but oh, all the time it's weird. It's it's divine. It's the, yep. <laughs> all right, we'll we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you guys. Uh, bye bye. Blue Apron's awesome at my house. If you come, 
you'll often see a Blue Apron box just sitting up on the counter because Blue Apron 1 is affordable. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes with pre-portioned ingredients so you can make delicious home-cooked meals. And not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference. It's important to know where your food comes from. They're flexible too. You can customize your recipes based on your preferences. They have delivery options. You can choose what fits your needs too, and there's no weekly commitment. Get the deliveries when you want them, and each meal comes with a, I'm tell you, a lifesaver, a step-by-step recipes card, and I wouldn't be able to do this without this recipe card because uh, I'm not good. Blue Apron has made me better, but these meals though too, they, they're fresh. I would never be able to make stuff like this, but Blue Apron lines it up for me. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping. BlueApron.com slash BobbyCast. BlueApron.com slash BobbyCast. First three meals for free. BlueApron.com slash BobbyCast. Blue Apron, a better way to cook.